At photographycourse.net, you'll be able to swap your expertise with other photographers, make light instead of wishing for it, expand your portfolio, and receive feedback from professionals, all of which will develop your artistic eye. Photographycourse.net offers an abundance of premium courses and challenges for participants at every stage of their journey, from technical settings for portrait photography, to landscape composition tricks, to how to start your own photography business, we have everything you need to start shooting confidently. You can work at a pace that suits you. Our 52-week project challenge will provide you with the educational resources, encouragement, and support that you need to take great photographs every week. You can join us at any time as our themes are evergreen. You can also start by shooting every day and learning something new with our 365 Days of Photography course. Led by an industry expert who has mentored over 10,000 students, this course will help you take your photography skills to the next level with daily, bite-sized videos. Throughout the process of learning, you'll have access to a community that will provide you with inspiration and motivation. Get encouragement from other photographers every single day. Our current limited time offer comes with a special discount code exclusive to the listeners of this podcast. Get 50% off your first year as a premium member. Claim this discount by going to photographycourse.net and entering the coupon code PODCAST. Come join photographycourse.net and capture more than just a moment. Thank you to Pixpa.com for sponsoring this episode. Pixpa.com is an all-in-one portfolio website builder used by thousands of photographers worldwide. Pixpa enables photographers to manage their complete online presence in one place easily without any coding knowledge. Pixpa comes integrated with features like e-commerce galleries, a blog, an online store, client galleries, and more. Stay tuned until the end of the episode to claim your special discount code. Hello everyone. My name is Taya and I'm the host of Great Big Photography World podcast, where we interview notable photographers in the industry, give advice on a wide variety of topics, and provide tips for beginners and professionals alike. In this episode, I talk to fine art photographer and digital artist Rosalind Guder. Rosalind started her photography journey later in life because she had to take care of her family. When she found her purpose, she started submitting her photos to competitions, she started a business, and much more. We talk about her inspiration, success, techniques, and more. Please enjoy. Hey, Rosalind. Welcome to the podcast. I'm very happy to have you here. Please introduce yourself to the listeners. Hi, Taya. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited. This is my very first podcast interview. My name is Rosalind Guter. I am a fashion portrait photographer in Los Angeles. Very exciting. I didn't know this was your first podcast. Well, welcome to Great Big Photography World. I hope that this will be an exciting journey for you. I think it will be. What camera equipment do you use? I use Nikon. About a year and a half ago, I switched from DSLR and I'm shooting the Nikon mirrorless Z7. Or I live in America, so they call it Z7 here. Mm -hmm. And has it been interesting for you to, to make that switch and has it affected your photography in any way? It has. It has been a game changer for me because even though I was using pro DSLR equipment, I found myself always hunting for focus. And in portraiture, it's really important to get the eyes really sharp. Mm -hmm. That's that's always the focus. And I found that, that even though I was using good equipment, I would go through my images afterwards and 
a lot of the images were out of focus and then those are just unusable. So um, now that I have mirrorless, it focuses right on the eye each time. And I don't ever have to worry about that anymore. All my images are in focus. Yeah, that's perfect. And it saves a lot of time and it just prevents a lot of uh, unusable images, as you said. And I think that's great for photographers, especially portrait photographers. That's really cool to know. Yeah, well, especially for portraiture. You know, when, when you're posing somebody, you might get the pose just right. If the focus is off, it makes it unusable. And then you might be looking for a similar pose through the rest of your, your camera roll, so to speak, and not have anything that's similar to what you want. And the one you that you really love is out of focus. Yeah, that's really frustrating because I'm a portrait photographer as well. And I take photos of myself. And especially when I take photos of myself, I can't really predict how the camera will focus because I use yes. autofocus, and when I do have a pose that I like or an expression that I think is nice, that fits the theme, uh, oftentimes I find that my eyes are out of focus and it's focusing on my nose or something completely different. So, yeah, it's super frustrating. Yes. Digital art plays a big role in your photography. What inspired you to make it a part of your work? Okay, so when I was using the Pro, I was shooting with the D700 at the time, and a lot of times my images would not be sharp. So I used the digital work, the post-production, to fix a lot of the problems that I had. Um, now, this is not the optimal way to go. And now that we have mirrorless, it changes everything. But when I wasn't capturing images exactly correctly, I used the digital work to fix it and to make it better. Now that's changing. You don't have to rely so much on post-production to, to get things sharp. And uh, for me, I use the post-production to get the look that I want, the post-production look that I want, because I'm starting from a technically almost perfect uh, starting point now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what is your editing process like? Do you do a lot of color correction and just what does it look like? Okay. So I shoot with a fixed Kelvin number. Mm -hmm. I shoot at 5,500 because I'm using studio strobes and I know that that's the color temperature. So I never have to deviate. With Nikon, the color temperatures, if you use the auto white balance, are actually very, very good. So you don't have to, with Nikon, you don't have to fix the Kelvin number. You can use auto. But for me, I just, that's the way I do it. I'm always shooting in studio and I know, I know what the, the white balance is. Mm -hmm. So from there, uh, I take all the images, I bring them into Adobe Camera Raw just to make sure that I have shadow detail, which is really important in my work. And from there, then I, I do all the usual cleanup, a little bit of liquefy if necessary, um, cleaning up the skin, cleaning up the hair. Uh, a lot of times I swap backgrounds. So that's the work I do. And then at the very end, I have a kind of a way that I, I add more wow to the picture uh, with dodging and burning. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting. So other than, because you mentioned that you initially wanted to perfect your photographs and make them look sharper. Other than that, did anyone or anything inspire you specifically to get into digital art, like any artists who made you want to use you know, the tools that you just mentioned? Yes. So early on, I didn't have models. I was able to connect with somebody who is an artist model, meaning that 
they pose for um, art students who are drawing or painting. And this person happened to have a lot of costumes. So I started to photograph him and I got into compositing because all of his all of his costumes are character based. So I would imagine my 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 subject and put him into the situation that that character would be in. And I was inspired by the work of Ben Shirk and other composite artists. I'm also very inspired by Eric Almas, who does commercial compositing. So that was the direction I took initially. But uh, it's really recently that I found my style in fashion portraiture. Mm-hmm. That's really exciting, very fascinating. I think the whole background replacement side of things is is so foreign to me and to many photographers. How long does it take you to edit one picture? Well, it depends on what it's for. If it's just going to be for Instagram or social media, then it only takes a few hours. But if I'm doing a competition image, then it can take a a very long time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really, uh, I can imagine how challenging that is and do you struggle a lot with the editing process? Is there a lot of you know trial and error, or do you instantly know the look you're going for in, ed- in editing? Well, being relatively new to photography, I don't feel that any part of my process is a well-oiled machine yet. <laughs> I hope to get there someday. But uh, right now, I have a general process that I go through in editing, but also a lot of it is trial and error. Yeah, I think that's the case for many photographers, even those who have been taking photos for a long time. A lot of the people that I've interviewed for the podcast, even people who have been using Photoshop and Lightroom and programs like that for many years, even they have you know, issues and glitches and things they deal with. So it's uh, it's good to know that everybody struggles with this because, you know, it means that we're not failing in any way. But mm-hmm. Yeah. In your bio, you say that you juggled many roles throughout your life to find your your passion. How did you realize that you wanted to be a photographer? Oh, gosh, I feel like I have to give you a bit of my life history before I can answer the question correctly. So prior to becoming a photographer, I was living in Canada and I was in the fashion industry. I worked as a fashion designer And then I decided to get an MBA in corporate finance and then a Master of Science in telecommunications. I worked in many different roles, including banking and management consulting and telecommunications. And then I moved to the U.S. I got married. I had kids. And then when my kids got bigger, I was looking for an alternative to a nine to five corporate job where I would be starting from scratch because I didn't have any U.S. job history And I had this big, long break in in my resume while I was looking after the kids. Mm -hmm. So at a certain point, I was talking to my sister, who is a real estate photographer in Toronto. And she was saying that uh, photography could be really the perfect thing for me because you can do it part time. Uh, There's a lot of flexibility in it. And I had always had an interest in photography. So... She gave me my first camera, which was a Nikon D300, and she gave me a couple of lenses, and and I started started learning. Mm. So that's really the beginning. And Mm -hmm. Yes, go ahead. Sorry. So um, I wanted to tell you that there is a quote from Ira Glass, the creator of This American Life, 
that really, really speaks to me. And it's a little bit long, so I'll shorten it a bit, but I think it's worth it. So what Ira Glass said is that what nobody tells you, tells people who are beginners, is that all of us who do creative work, we get into it because we have good taste. But there's a gap that for the first couple of years that you're making stuff, what you're making isn't so good. It's trying to be good. It has the ambition to be good, but it's not quite that good. But your taste, it's killer. And your taste is good enough that you can tell that what you're making is kind of a disappointment to yourself. A lot of people never get past that phase. A lot of people at that point quit. Most everybody I know who does interesting creative work They went through a phase of years where they had really good taste and they could tell that they were what they're making wasn't as good as they wanted it to be. They knew it fell short. It didn't have that special thing that we wanted it to have. And everybody goes through that. So I started taking pictures part time while raising my kids and trying to learn the mechanics of of things and knowing that, uh, I wasn't creating the work that I personally liked, but that's, that's how I got started. That is an incredible story. And thank you for sharing that quote. It's so beautiful and so uplifting to know just in in any aspect of life. I mean, this applies to any sort of creative uh, form of art, right? Drawing, photography, sculpting, you know, you just have to be patient with it and persistent and understand that if you have a taste, then you're already many steps ahead in a way. Mm-hmm. And it's really nice that your sister gave you a camera. It's, it's how nice it is to have, uh, you know, supportive family members. Maybe. Yes. Yes. I'm very lucky. She has now uh, moved down from Toronto to help me in my, my new business. So I'm very lucky to have her. That's incredible. And I'm curious to know, since she's into real estate photography, did you ever consider choosing that as a career path as well? I did. She taught me what she does. And I started doing that and I got a few jobs doing it. But, you know, I didn't really love it. Because when you're a real estate photographer, you go in and the house is the way it is. And you can't change anything. You don't have time to move the furniture to where you think it should be. You don't have time to clear out the the clutter that people have in their houses. So it wasn't really an interesting thing for me because uh, you would just take the pictures and they would be what they what they are. And there's no it's really a formula. Mm -hmm. So with real estate photography, there's no variation you go in, there are certain angles that you work and you do the shots and that's it. For me, I'm really more interested in photographing people and getting expression and pose. So I lost interest in, in, in the real estate photography very quickly. It makes a lot of sense. I also like photographing people. There's something so nice about it. So nice about being able to express an emotion through a face, whether it's your own or somebody else's. And it's beautiful that... Every photography genre has its own photographers that are obsessed with that genre. And when you start as a photographer, it's, it's, I think the most exciting part is finally figuring out what kind of genre you'd like to specialize in, whether it's multiple genres or one genre. But it's cool that in your experience, you started out by trying out real estate and figuring out right from the get-go that it wasn't your thing and then slowly moving towards what you're doing in that passion. Right. Yes, I agree with you. 
photographycourse.net is a place where you can find an abundance of photography inspiration in different forms like premium courses, articles, video tutorials, editing resources, and much more. We have a thriving community where you can meet new people, receive constructive criticism, and discover new ideas every single day. Here is a message from one of our top community members, Robert Morton. Hi, my name is Rob. I specialise in wildlife photography and landscape photography. I'm a member of photographycourse.net online community. I like the community because you get some fantastic ideas and some great feedback. So take your photography to the next level by clicking the link in the description. That's what I did and I haven't looked back. If you want to join our online community, go to photographycourse.net and enter the coupon code PODCAST to get 50% off your first year as a premium member. In 2013, you began to pursue photographic training on a part-time basis because your family needed your attention. Many photographers, whether beginners or not, have trouble balancing creativity with their personal lives, especially if they have families. Do you have any tips for people with busy lifestyles who want to invest more of their time in photography? Well, the first thing is that when you're first starting out as a, as a photographer, you need to get the mechanics so that they're second nature. So I think it's really important to practice the mechanics of taking a picture until it's so ingrained that you don't have to think about it. And part of that is figuring out the rules of thumb for, for what you're doing, like natural light photographers, you know, sunny 16 rule when they go outside or indoors, they might have a rule of thumb for their settings. For me, when I was starting out, I would start out indoors at ISO 2000, um, F2.8, and uh, shutter speed of one 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 hundredth, and then adjust from there. So getting that ingrained is really important. And I think of it as very similar to what musicians do. They practice their scales and their arpeggios every day just to keep the technical at a certain level. And then from there, they can be creative. Mm -hmm. So when I was starting out, my family was really my biggest focus. And I would practice just taking pictures of, of my kids doing whatever they were doing. And I find that a lot of women start this way, just taking pictures of their kids and uh, working out the technical details from there, and then slowly developing a style from there. PicSpot is the only platform in the world that lets you sell products, services, digital downloads, and images as prints and downloads in one neat space. And the best part is that they charge zero commission on your online sales. PicSpot offers a 15-day free trial period and a 30-day refund policy. PicSpot is providing a limited 15% discount on any plan of your choice. Go to PicSpot.com PW15. That's PicSpot.com PW15 to claim your discount. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really like that. I uh... I think it's important to understand that your style is not going to instantly come to you, especially if you're busy with other aspects of your life. And you have to believe that you will be able to develop your style with time. You just need to be patient with it. And referring to the quote that you shared previously, I think it's a, it's a great reference to use when you're feeling like you're, you're, you're getting stuck in this busy lifestyle of yours that is you know preventing you from being a photographer, so to speak. Right, exactly. I think you have to do a huge volume of bad work before you get to the good stuff, the things that you're really proud of. 
And in this day and age with Instagram and other social media, it's easy to find photographers whose work you admire and follow them and just see their images on a daily basis when you go on your social media. When I started, that wasn't as available. So it was a little bit harder to develop your taste and your style through these methods. Mm, that's true. That's an interesting perspective. So when you started, I guess social media wasn't really that big of a thing. Do you feel that there's a difference now in terms of comparing your work to other people's and feeling insecure as a result? Or do you not experience that personally? Hmm. It's interesting. I think that in general, the population's taste in photography has gone down, that people don't really recognize good photographic work the way that they used to, and they don't appreciate the way that they used to. But at the same time, you'll find photographers whose work really stands out in one way or another. And I think it's really important to sharpen your eye that way to figure out what it is about those photographers and their work that that attracts you. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. I like that because it's uh you're right. When you do spend a lot of time on social media and you do see all these photographers work, you sometimes get confused as to what is really a good photograph and what is not. And of course it's subjective, but you have to figure it out for yourself personally what really stands out to you and why it stands out to you the way it does. Exactly. Mm -hmm. On your website, you mentioned intentional portraiture, which is an interesting concept. Can you tell me more about that and what it means to you? Well, on the first, on the surface, intentional portraiture refers to not just taking candids or selfies, but sitting down with the intention of taking a portrait that captures a certain look or a certain feeling. For me, I believe that my photographic superpower is to talk to the subject and really get a sense of, of the person as, as a person and their essence and then showing them in their best light. So when I say showing them in their best light, I mean that in two ways. I want to capture that feeling or the essence of their soul in the photograph but also technically in their best light of showing when they look rested and fresh and, and wonderful and feeling fantastic. And hopefully also in a fantastic fashion piece as well. So that's what I mean. I've, I've got sort of two ways I think of showing somebody in their best light. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. And it's uh I've never heard of that term before, intentional portraiture. And I think it really just captures the essence of what portrait photography is, because as you said, it's not just a selfie you take with your phone. It's something you intentionally dive into and intentionally try to figure out the, the meaning of for yourself personally. I think it's, uh, it's definitely something I'll be using in my work from now on as a portrait photographer, just trying to make it more intentional and trying to make my photos more, you know, tell more of a story. Yes, for me... I really like my end product to have a certain look and a certain impact, but it really is a success to me when I feel that I've captured the person's soul in the photograph. And that resonance resonates with the subject that they really feel that they are being seen the way that they, they feel deep inside. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's one of the most important parts of portrait photography because it's one thing to photograph someone 
candidly, which is a completely different genre, which I love, of course, but it's completely different to, to photograph someone that you know was intentionally posing for you and to really capture them in their best light so that they feel understood and heard. And it's, uh, it really develops a good relationship between photographer and model for you to, to prioritize that. Yes. I've become friends with all my models <laughs> just because they feel understood by me. Exactly. That's nice. And do you have any tips for that? Do you get to know the models beforehand? I think you mentioned that earlier in our interview, but are there any other tips you would share on like how to make models feel really understood and heard by you? Well, I always start by having a chat, an informal chat. And, you know, I usually ask them, you know, what's your story? And they tell me a bit of their life history. And from that, I get glimpses of their personality and what I feel is in, in their soul. Yeah, I think conversations are the best way to get to know someone, just especially if they're candid and informal, because you don't want them to feel like they're being interrogated. <laughs> right. And, you know, when, when somebody comes to sit for me, a lot of times they feel a lot of trepidation. You know, they feel intimidated because they don't know how they're going to look or they think that, you know, their belly is going to look too big or whatever it is. You know, we all have these impressions of, of how we look on the camera and we feel so self-conscious about that. So the main thing is putting them at ease. And by talking to them and hearing their life story, that puts them at ease, lets them feel comfortable. And then from there, I can draw out the personality and the pose. Yeah, I like that a lot. It's all about prioritizing the model's needs and making them feel as comfortable as possible so that you can take the best photos possible. Right. And it's for this reason that I prefer photographing real people rather than models, like professional models, because professional models just come in and they do this pose followed by that pose, you know, and they, they do the flow posing. And I, I just feel like I'm just clicking the shutter. Mm. Whereas, you know, with a real person... They don't have any preconceived ideas of how to pose and how to make themselves look good in front of the camera. And sometimes when they do, it's exactly the wrong thing. So, so that's the challenge, but also the reward of working with, with a real person. Oh, that's very interesting. So most of the models on your website and your portfolio, they're not professional models? Well, uh, currently I do have some professional models in my website. But I think going forward, there will be a, a lot more real people represented on my website, client pictures rather than portfolio pictures. Mm -hmm. mm, that's fascinating. I like that approach. And I like that you like photographing, you know, quote unquote, real people, because it's, uh, yeah, you get that connection, that real candid feeling and that vulnerability that perhaps may not be as, uh, as obvious in, in professional model photography. Yes. You've received many awards for your pictures. Many photographers, especially those wanting to become full-time professionals, struggle with the concept of receiving awards or they feel like they don't really know where to start. Do you submit your photos to competitions and how does it all work? For me, competition was a training ground and that is how I was able to sharpen my skills in such a, such a short time and, and get to the level that I'm at. I highly recommend that people get into professional competitions. And when I say that in the U.S., I'm referring to PPA, Professional Photographers of America. And I'm sure that every country has a professional organization that does this. In the U.S., PPA 
is the national and international level of competition, but there are also local affiliates and state affiliates. And you can start with your local affiliate and do print competition at that level because you might win an award, but you might not. The greatest benefit of entering is that you get critique and it's critique from somebody with a practiced eye and somebody who understands the technical behind it and also has vision for the artistic. So I think that's the way to go. It's the cheapest photographic education that you can buy and also probably the highest quality. So I happened to start with my local affiliate and from there, I went on to state, and then I went on to national and, in, and international. And for me, that was a means to an end. It's nice that I won a lot of awards, but it really enabled me to sharpen my skills and my eye. And now that I've gotten to this point, I don't feel that I really need to do competition as much as I used to. So going forward, I will probably submit a client image or two here and there, but it's not going to be my my main focus as it was during the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. That's very interesting to approach competition as a way to, to learn more about photography and receive constructive criticism rather than just to win awards or just, you know, strengthen your reputation as a photographer. I've never heard of somebody taking that approach. Yeah. You also have to be a little bit selective on which competitions you you choose to enter. In my case, PPA is represents all genres of photography, and there are experts in each genre. So whatever your chosen, chosen genre is, there is somebody who's going to be able to give you professional level critique on your work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's very cool that it's so open and diverse for photographers of all kinds. Mm-hmm. What was the best advice that you got from, from a judge? The best advice that I got from a judge. Well, along the way, I've I've had all different kinds of advice. But uh, I think that the best advice that I've got from a judge is that what initially hits the viewer is the impact of your image. So if your image doesn't have impact, then people lose interest right away. From there, you need to back up that impact with technical excellence. So you still have to have all the fundamentals taken care of and not have any mistakes in your photograph because it's a great disappointment to see terrific initial impact, but then be disappointed when you take a closer look. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And how do you think a photographer, especially a beginner, let's say, can create that impact? How can they make their photographs eye-catching? Well, I think as a beginner, you have to start with your technical. And from there, you can sharpen your eye by looking at photographers whose work you admire, figuring out what is giving those images impact, and then you can emulate that in your own work. Mm-hmm. That's really good advice. Yeah, And it's, uh, it's nice to know that there are international competitions out there and local ones where you can really learn from a professional and really understand what it is that you need to personally do to take your work to the next level. Mm -hmm. Okay, Rosalind, my last question for you is, what is the one thing you'd like to achieve in this great big photography world? 
<laughs> um, now that I've won all kinds of awards, I don't have an award as a goal anymore. So what I'd like to achieve is to photograph people and have every one of my subjects feel that they have been seen and that I've captured their soul in the image. And beyond that, I don't want them just to have the digital image. I want that as a print in their home to remind them. Because so many people have images on their phones, but they never make it off their phone. Mm -hmm. And it just becomes another bit of digital clutter when it's just sitting in your phone. But when you have it on your wall, that really reminds you of who you are and what you aspire to be in your life. So I think that's really important. That's my goal, to have everybody have one of my images on the wall. <laughs> that's very empowering. I love that. Yeah, when you have a tangible item in your hand that is related to photography, like a print or something even larger than that, like huge print on your wall, it's, it's definitely life-changing in many ways because it's one thing to look at something digitally, but when it's on the wall and it's a photo of you too, it's just, yeah, it's definitely empowering and inspiring. Yeah. And incidentally, my prints that I offer to clients, I don't go smaller than 30 inches. So everything has to be big because I think that's really important. Yeah, it's important. Yeah. And you can really see the details then with, with really large prints and really appreciate your own work. I mean, it's probably inspiring for you to see your, your photos as prints. Yes, that is my favorite thing. It's the great reward to, after all of the work is to go to the client's home and see an eight foot tall metal print on their wall and the impact of that to anybody who comes into the room. That's what I love the best. Yeah. Oh, we'll need to collaborate one day so you can take some photos of me so I can have a print of my own too, because you're getting me excited about your work. <laughs> <laughs> Come on over. You're welcome anytime. <laughs> you're wonderful. Well, Rosalind, thank you so much for being on this podcast. It was so much fun talking to you about your amazing photography, and I look forward to seeing more of your work in the future. Thank you. I feel so welcome, and it was really a wonderful experience. Likewise. Thank you for your time. Thank you. It's very inspiring to talk to people with different backgrounds, perspectives on life, and sources of inspiration. Rosalind's story really stood out to me because of her interesting approach to photography. She's persistent, creative, and full of original ideas. I hope her story encourages you to embrace wherever you are in your personal photography journey. It's never too late to become the photographer you've always dreamed of being. See you next week. There's a simple reason why PhotographyCourse.net is the highest rated photography community in the world. It's because the people who use it made it that way. Why not join us right now? Improve your skills, get exposure, and discover an exciting new world of photography. While you're at it, claim your special discount code by going to photographycourse.net and entering the coupon code PODCAST to get 50% off your first year as a premium member.